Welcome to the Creative Cast. I'm your host Andrew. Today's guest is Ben Wrigley. He's the photographer, videographer under the name Third Eye Visuals from Brisbane, Queensland. In this episode, we speak about how he found a passion for photography, videography, his creative process with projects, his touring memories, capturing large local and international acts, and more. I hope you enjoy. Episode 12 of the podcast. Ben, how you doing? How's your how's your week been? I'm, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. I've had a uh, very busy week. It's uh, a lot of projects all coming to to the end. So it's just getting all those final files wrapped up and sent out to clients. Yeah, it's been very very. And then I, uh, I mean, at least you've had a pretty busy year, I guess, going through all these um, different kind of um, projects and. I guess how in depth you go with all your work. Um, how kind of has it been since I guess like COVID kind of started? Was it kind of a bit of a dip in your kind of business, or was it a, kind of the same? Um, COVID was actually the best thing that's probably ever happened to me. Really? Um, oh, that's different. It's a different yeah. answer I get. <laughs> yeah, and like I. I know it's not probably a popular thing to say amongst other creatives, (laughs) but I think COVID is, has been the perfect situation from a creative standpoint to stand back a little bit and go, okay, what do I need to improve on as an artist here? Mm -hmm. And uh, it's been, it's been fantastic because uh, I was obviously, fortunate enough to release uh, a great music video on that time with Alpha Wolf and Akadama. Yep. And that gave me a solid platform to then take it to the next level and to really refine those skills. So it's not having to go out to a show every weekend or not having to, you know, plan my time weeks at a time. It's planned months at a time now. Yep. It's been like, such a great opportunity to just take things uh on a larger scope rather than a weekly basis yeah and more so on like kind of like a slower pace and more time to like think about all the details and everything rather than trying to rush through everything exactly it's not like oh this show's finished on saturday night and i've got to have the photos to them sunday morning type deal it's like cool i can have this to you in a month's time and we can really refine this and make it look sick no, that, and that's that's yeah, definitely an interesting answer than what I've usually gotten from everyone else. You know, being like, "Oh, I haven't been able to do anything. I've been stuck at home. I can't do nothing." Um, at least, yeah, you've found a way to like flourish mm. your your business and your name a bit more. Yeah, especially after the Alpha video came out, it it definitely looked like you jumped into it headfirst and went, "Cool, I'm gonna at least bust my ass as best I can." I guess in the kind of environment that we're in. Yeah, exactly, and you know. I think people who say they can't do anything probably aren't willing to take a risk or to, to learn something new. There's always something you can always do if, if you're trapped in a room for, you know, weeks on end or months, if you're in Victoria. Yeah. Um, like me. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like I get it. And, it, and I get, it's extremely taxing on a lot of people. And I'm, I think I'm one of those people who, so when, I guess when lockdown kind of kicked in for us uh, in Brizzy, um, it, nothing in my schedule changed at all. People like stay home. Like I already stay at home like five, six days out of the week working from home anyway. So nothing changed for me. So it was probably an easier transition on my end uh, for the most part. Okay. So that's pretty, yeah, that's pretty easy. Then you can at least um, go from that to be like, yeah, cool. I can not have to change my schedule. I don't really have to adapt in a very big way to kind of work out something. You've yeah incorporated something else. You're like, yeah, cool. I can just flow with this easy. Yeah, yeah, it was it was honestly not bad at all, <laughs> which is, you know, definitely not the the usual thing you hear. No, definitely not. And what did you um? What did you end up kind of? Did you end up like learning more things while in lockdown, or like during this year? Did you kind of went, all right, cool. Since I got this time, I'm going to work on doing this a lot more. Yeah, I I learned, um, and I'm still learning plenty of 3D work, like just incorporating 3D stuff and just wrapping my head around. A lot of the 3D concepts that exist, um, obviously dipped my toes into that for the Alpha Wolf video. And then I have other clients who, you know, we, you have these situations where clients are stuck in Melbourne or stuck in Tasmania. Um, and they're like, hey, we need to create a music video and we obviously can't travel. 
uh, how are we going to do this? And it's like, okay, I got to learn how I can produce a music video for this band without actually being there. So mm-hmm. it's like uh, taking on all the different roles and doing it via Zoom and yeah. Going, so hey. I was going to ask about that. Yeah. So that you said doing like almost like yeah FaceTime Zoom calls to direct really. Exactly. Yeah. And I've given them shot lists and explained how to approach it to the DOPs and how I want it. And then they, they'll give me the content and then essentially, uh, yeah, I'm putting together, you know, 3d worlds and trying to incorporate green screen footage of band members or, you know, thinking of ways to break down traditional boundaries with musicians when they need content. Yeah, because usually people just go, yeah, cool, we need a music video. We need to be in front of the camera. We need we need to be the face of this. But it's like also it's like, cool, you can make something visually appealing. Like you did the That Is Murder video. Like that was just visually appealing. It didn't have to be a um, a band music video. You just made something through v, uh, 3D assets and it just, you know, looks great and it, and it works for what, you know, they could do really. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, when, when Marty... Marshy hit me up from Die Art and he's just like, look, this is the theme of the video. And I'm like, okay, I've got some good ideas. And he's like, those, he's just like, yep, cool. Like I trust you. And, and I produced the video for him and it's like, like, this is sick. And I got a good reaction from the fans. So it's like ticking all the boxes. So there's like, rather than having to do like a 12 hour shoot day or something ridiculous with them all, <laughs> it's like, yeah, this will do the job and it looks sick. Yeah, not too um, not too taxing on yourself and trying to pump out something as quick as possible. It's like, cool, I can refine this and make this look perfect for them and work for their aesthetic or work for the, the theme of the song. Yeah, it's it's funny though because originally it was going to be a different song that already released and then Marshy emails me and he goes, hey, did I ever send you the track and the lyrics? I'm like, yeah, it's off the album, isn't it? Like it's been out for like... 10 months and he's like no 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 this is a new song i'm like oh shit <laughs> crap <laughs> yeah and then it's like it's like okay i've got three weeks to make this and then like just going back to the point of learning things earlier uh, like at the start of at the end of march and april and then he's he's asking me at the end of september to make this i've had I've had like, you know, five or six months to learn how to approach these types of projects. So it's, mm-hmm. yeah, it was kind of crucial me jumping in early and then going, oh, I only have two or three weeks, but I managed to do it in like one and a half because uh, I've put in that time a bit earlier on to learn how to do it. Yeah. So you had that kind of that background knowledge of like, cool, I can easily jump into this. Like when someone asks you, hey, I want to do this kind of visual visual effects and it's like, cool okay, can I do that? Or can I do that in this effective way? Where it's like, you can easily gauge what will work for you and what will work for the band. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. Now, it's really interesting that you've yeah been able to kind of, yeah, flourish a bit more and obviously jump into something that you weren't too obviously knowledgeable about, but now you've just kind of gone, yep, cool. I can easily do these in a week and a half, which, you know, you think about it, like me looking at that, I thought, oh shit, that probably took months to do where it's like, oh, Wow, it only took a week and a half. Like, wow, that really does show that you did learn quite a bit and went, okay, cool, I can easily do this in an effective way and a timely manner, really. Yeah, and and not so much the, uh, I guess the technical aspect is kind of intimidating for people who aren't familiar with the 3D workflow. Mm-hmm. But, um, like, I guess how to approach uh, creating content like a music video or a lyric video or anything of the the longer format where it's the full song. Um, Just kind of like breaking it down into sections also is like another skill I've kind of refined over the lockdown COVID period, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. It's just like, oh, yeah, okay. I know the verses can be simple and all the big parts of the song need to have like some sort of sick 3D visual to it and break it down into those chunks, those bite-sized pieces and approach it that way. No, it's definitely yeah, good way to think of it of yeah, when you've got this new kind of ability to put something new into your work and incorporate it into other work. So in when you start to do, I guess, like music videos again, it's like cool, well, I can incorporate all this 3D stuff and people, you know, will most likely hit you up and be like, Hey, can you add some cool 3D shit into this video? Like that looked really sick. Yeah, can you do something like that? Um, going back to like the very start, like how did how did you kind of get the passion to be a photographer, a videographer? Like where did that kind of come from? Um, I guess the, the very start 
we'd probably be back in high school. Um, my school had like a film and television department and my brother did film and television. He's like, yeah, this is the best subject. And this is like back when they're filming on like back when, back in like 2004 and 2005, my brother's doing this. So 15 years ago, yeah. uh, you know, they're filming on tape. And by the time I get in there, you know, they're slowly transitioning into like SD cards and stuff like that. So it's like started back in high school and did film and television. And that was, you know, it was a great, great subject. And it's like, how, how can you make a career out of this? Like, how, how can you? It's like you think of, I guess, when you're learning film and telly, you're thinking of uh, your Steven Spielbergs and all these yep. bigger than life people. And you're like, how the, how the hell am I going to end up there? And then um, I guess a few years later, uh, when I'm like 18, 19, I got my first camera um, because I was like, yeah, I'm going to buy a camera. Why not? And yeah, just kind of naturally evolved from there. Um, and to get into the music scene from that though it's like yeah I played in a band and the band like ran its course and then it's like but I still love music and how do I how can I be a part of the scene in some way and it's like I'll take photos of bands and you know that's I think that's how uh, a lot of people who get into the music scene with photography you know they just love music and they just want to be a part of it yeah and that's sick and that's yeah definitely having that little bit of I guess so was like I used to try and you know I tried to be in bands didn't quite work out and I'm just like oh, yeah, well, I don't really want to do that and then end up doing the same thing just like taking a camera to a show and be like oh, I really love taking photos like this is really cool and yeah. then it just went from there was it photography that came first or was it more videography that came first definitely photography yeah, yeah. it was it was um it's like the video world was just so foreign and you're like oh my god like what is what is the 180 degree rule? Like, why is my, <laughs> why is my video look worse than my photos and learning about all the technicality stuff. It was just yep. like too much for me to handle. So it's like, yeah, photos will do it. And uh, I think photos could only take me so far creatively, particularly mm -hmm. in live music. I think it kind of shows in my work where uh, the longer I was doing photos, the more, wild and wacky stuff was ending up in there via photoshop yeah because i was just getting bored taking live photos it's like ah oh, how can i make this interesting for myself and started adding in all sorts of crazy stuff or doing weird edits and then it's like all right i got to get into video because there's a whole other world there for me yeah, it was almost like it wasn't hitting your creative itch. You're like, all right, cool. I'll try and jump into something else. What was um, what was kind of like your first setup for videography? Was it using the same camera that you used for photography? Yeah, sure. So yeah, my first camera was a 5500D, the Canon APS-C size sensor and mm -hmm. flip-out screen. And then a few years later, I got a Canon 60. And um, yeah, that was kind of like the workhorse for like at least three years, I think, three or four years. And then Sony was obviously catching up and uh, had a few smaller Sony mirrorless cameras and then graduated up into like proper video cameras where it was like they don't shoot photos. It was just like the actual video cameras and then the, yeah. the A7 III these days. Um, yeah, so... It was pretty natural progression and, um, you know, I, I think the Canon 6D was like overused. Like it was such a workhorse for me. It was a really good camera. Yeah, I think I, I started on the, yeah, it was my first like proper into like full frame was, yeah, the 6D and then jumped into the 5D and then jumped into the, the Sony realm. But yeah, that was the kind of the same kind of aspect. Like, yeah, just jumping into that kind of early. What was, um you've been kind of going into, obviously you had bigger Sony cameras and obviously you've, have you just preciously, like, have you just recently purchased a new camera? I did. Yeah. Yeah. I sold the FS7 back in, I think April, late April or something like that. Um, the A7S3 came out and A7S3 is essentially a baby FS7. Yeah. Um, and it was like the FS7 was great, but it's such a big camera and just, taking that on tours or taking that on music video shoots and stuff, it becomes a bit of a mission to like when I, when I can 
I dare say 99% of my clients couldn't tell the difference between an A7 III and an FS7. <laughs> um, so it was kind of like, what, what, what was the point of using it if, if, if no one's going to notice the big quality difference? Yeah, exactly. And like, that's not to say that I don't notice it and I can appreciate it, which is great. And when I get the chance to work with larger bands, I then know that there's that uh, future proofing to it. Like I go, okay, I know this is the best quality. I know like if this band ever needs this for any future bits and bobs, whatever, I know that I'm going to be giving them the best quality there is. Yeah, sure. Um, But yeah, just time to retire that. It's been been great for me went around the world a few times and then sold that on and yeah bought a bought a new camera which i haven't really publicly said <laughs> yeah but um yeah i bought this new camera i mean i can tell everyone what it is it's not a huge secret but it, i just kind of like it, it goes back to that point it's like 99 percent of the people can't tell the difference between the fs7 and the a7 III. yeah and i'm like i'm gonna get this camera and People are going to think it's red because I, and I'm just going to, I'm going to buy it and just produce work with it and not tell anyone what it is. And because no one needs to know, like, who cares? Like, who no, cares what the camera no, is? Exactly right. And people, like, and like, people will still ask, but it's just, create. yeah, exactly. It's about exactly that. You, um, cause yeah, that was the thing I I'd think always it's see. like a confirmation bias. It's like... Sorry, go on. Oh, you go, you go. <laughs> Oh, sorry, it's freezing. Um, I was just going to say, like, I think it's just a confirmation bias thing. It's like, oh, yeah, they, they're shooting on that same camera that I own. Like, it must be good or something like that. It's like, I, I reckon every camera on the market right now, you can produce something great with it. It's just who has it in their hands and who knows how to work the footage. So that's why I'm like, I don't want to say, I don't want to be like, yeah, I bought a red, look how much money I got, or I bought, you know, whatever, Z cam or whatever, whatever else is, you know, popular. It's like whatever, yeah. who cares? Yeah, exactly. And that and that's interesting because yeah, you can go from obviously like full frame mirrorless cameras, and you can go to cinema quality kind of cameras like the Reds um and the FX um and the Z cam and all that jazz and have those kind of qualities that yeah, 99% of the people like, you know, if I showed my girlfriend footage from a red to an A7S3, she wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Like she's just not in that populace that would find that there would be yeah there'd obviously some people that be go oh yeah i know exactly that quality like that's i know that dynamic range i know that color balance like i know exactly what camera is using but um at least like you can look at yourself and be like yep cool this is going to make my work pop in every single way it's like i don't need to publicly announce that this is the camera i'm using unless you're being like fucking sponsored by it or something like that but it's like no you're doing it for your own self-worth exactly Exactly. I mean, I'd love to be sponsored by this company, but um, <laughs> I, I, I've only just got it. I've got, got a few exciting projects on the horizon, so I'll film them. And if they turn out great, then I'll be like, yeah, like this they camera's great. This. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Because it's a super common camera and it's, it's just like, at the end of the day, it's that old saying, it's like the, the tools, it's not the, it's the user of the tools, you know, it's, it's not the tool itself, you know. Yeah, exactly. And that, and that's the thing. It's like, you're, I used to get so many people asking me like, Oh, what camera do you use? How do you do this? And like, well, I had someone literally buy the same camera as me and they're like, Oh, I can't get the same photos as you. I'm like, yeah, I know because you can't like you, you won't be able to get the same photos as me, even if you have the same camera, it's the way you use it. And it's just like, it's just having that mentality of like, you know, I used to have that where I'd be like, Oh, I'd buy, I was buying lenses and I was buying these cameras because I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to be this person. I'm going to shoot the same stuff. And I didn't, I shot my own stuff and it, you know, I was like, oh crap, well, I got to be me, not someone else. Absolutely. And then you've got the whole other side of the coin where it's the post-production. It's like, you got so many things in the uh, creative line, which would dictate the image a little bit, even like the the type of monitor you're shooting on uh, or Mm -hmm. editing, I should say to, you know, what Lightroom you're using, what presets you want to use, like how you see color, you know, so much into it. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. Um, going on from that, what was, um, what's kind of your creative process with like music videos? We'll, we'll kind of use maybe the Apple video, for example, what's kind of like the creative process, like when, when a band comes to you and says, Hey, we want to work with you. We want to do a video. What's kind of the process that begins that from, you know, before you've even shot the video to when you've you know started shooting. 
Sure. So it can go two ways at the start. A band can come to me and go, we have an idea and this is what our song's about and this is what we want it to look like. And that's, that's okay. That's not my preferred approach. My preferred approach is the second way, which is the band comes to me and goes, we love what you do. Here's our song. What do you think of it? Like come up with some ideas. And, um, and I like that approach better because it's more natural for my creative process then because I go, this is how I'm seeing the song. This is how I can see how the edit is going to play out. Um, you know, it's very, very natural and free flowing creativity in that way. So that's kind of the first step where we go. And if a band goes, all right, you have free reign. Um, it's, it's just me. There's more pressure on me then because it's mm-hmm. my idea, which is great because uh, I will be able to fall in love with the idea easier. And um, then we, we go and try and execute it. It's like, okay, we, we want to have 50 million light bulbs in a room. It's like, okay, let's go and execute that idea. Um, yeah, or if they have an idea and they want to do that and they're, they're in love with their idea, um, I try and guide them the best way to approach it because sometimes the ideas might be unrealistic or yeah. Yeah, just not possible. So it's just kind of like... Um, you know, pushing and pulling in ways where we can get it to a point where it's achievable for budget and real being realistic here. And then, yeah, we'll, we'll go film it and then we'll come back to the editing process and the editing process is uh, I tend to get a skeleton of the, the edit together and go, this is how it's flowing. Mm-hmm. This is how A to B goes, C to D, et cetera. And then uh, I'll start to do the effects or refinement after that. It's like, oh, okay, so this this section kind of needs to be a bit longer. This section needs to be a bit more chaotic. So, like, how do we how do we work that out? Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's it's pretty 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 simple overall. But I guess the most exciting part and the most difficult part is the the first step because figuring out that idea and you know making four to five band members fall in love with your idea who are financing the music video is yeah. difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if you're in a position where they trust your creative vision, uh, it obviously makes it a lot easier. So it can go a couple of ways depending on who's asking. Yeah. And so that's like kind of the way you would come about going, yep, cool. If this, some, if this, yeah, if this band comes up and says, hey, we want to do this big, huge spectacle with all these things, it's just like, all right, cool. Well, you need to take it from 11 down to about a five and, you know, not go too overboard, something that's more realistic, having at least yeah, that mentality to kind of bring them down to like your level and go, okay, cool. Well, if you want to do that, you're going to have to do this and this, and that's not going to work. Like, it's just not going to happen. Um, is that kind of the same thing with like visual effects? Like, is that how do you come up with those ideas or does the band say like, Hey, we really like this kind of effect. Would you be able to do that? Or is it more so yourself putting that idea out? Yeah. Yeah. Both ways. Like, the Alpha Wolf video, the band literally really didn't say anything. Like, it's funny It's funny because the first draft I sent of that video to Sabian, he's looking at it going, this is shit. And I'm like, no, 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 it's not shit. Trust me. And like, <laughs> it's it's, it's, it's going to be the best fucking clip. And, and I don't really say that about a lot of things. Like, I think this is going to be really fucking good. And... He's, he's just, I'm just like, just, I said, give me two weeks. You're in no rush to put this out. Give me two weeks and I'll give you something with a bunch of effects on it. And then I kept drip feeding him ideas. And, and then, you know, of course he kind of came around and we end up with a clip that we have now. And it's just, it's really difficult sometimes like to go to a client and go, I've got this crazy idea. Like there's going to be bodies falling from the sky and, it's going to be like all these crazy things happening and they're just like, what the fuck? Like that sounds so random and weird. And then when you put it into practice, you're like, holy shit. Okay. That actually looks kind of cool. Yeah. Um, it works. It works. So, in the yeah, song. That's that, that, there's that way. Yeah, exactly. And then and they've got, I've had bands hit me up and they go, we really like this clip by, um, you know, this band. Do you know how to do that effect on it? And I don't want to do a straight copy where I can. Yep. I'd rather, I'd rather take, you know, two or three ideas and chuck them together and create something new. Like mm-hmm. I love that creative process. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I, 
And sometimes a band will hit me up and go, we want exactly this. And I, and I go, your band's not going to stand out if you're copying exactly what that band's done. Yeah, it's just and not going to work. Is, yeah, and then the thing is they're copying bands, which is super popular. So it's like, what's, what's the point of copying a super popular band? You know, everyone just thinks you're trying to be like them. Um, and it comes down to this like, you know, I digress a little bit here, but it comes down to this idea of smaller bands should be taking more risk rather than bigger bands because the bigger bands are already in a position where they're probably more comfortable with who they are or financial situation potentially, depending yeah. on, you know, a lot of a lot of variables, of course. But it's like you're in the position now where you can be the most creative without having you know, the world scour at you because you dare change your sound. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like trying to try something a little bit different. It's like, okay, cool. Well, we, you know, we did this basic music video of us in a forest and it was just us playing music. And it's like, it was just very basic. It's like, all right, cool. How can we step that up and change it in a way that obviously, you know, some people may see it and be like, oh, this looks like this so-and-so's video. Or this looks like their video. Like it could be just like the tiniest thing, but having that little bit of mentality be like, all right, cool. Well, we want to do this because it's fun not because anyone else has done it or anything like that. It's like, no, we want to do this because it works and it looks really cool. And if we think it's really cool, other people will think it's really cool at some point. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I dare say how many, how many bands have shot in the forest or how many bands have shot in a warehouse and you've just gone, I've completely forgotten about that clip like two or three weeks later. Yeah. I've had that a few times. And then you obviously, you see those clips come out where you're just like, yeah, that, that's going to stay in my mind forever. Exactly like the, yeah, the Alpha clip. It's definitely one of those clips that you you watch and you just you can't unsee that. Like it's just a thing that would stick in your mind because it's so visually chaotic yeah. and it's just a way where you're like, oh well, if I if I if I was not a fan of the band and I was just watching it randomly, I'd just be like noticing everything. I wouldn't be paying attention to the music. I'd be noticing <laughs> everything. But obviously, liking both, it's like, all right, cool. I will listen to it once, see all the you know, see all the bands, these look really sick. And then going through it, like very slowly being like, holy shit, like there is a lot of stuff in here um, that other people, you know, may never notice. And yeah, having that, at least that point to go like, cool, we're going to take a risk. It's going to be really weird, but it could work like absolutely like tenfold and it could be the biggest surprise of like the year. Yeah, hundred percent that. And in, in regards to like your previous question, it's like how, when a band hits you up for a music video, it's like, I always ask them this question. I go, what are your favorite music videos of all time? Whether it's like a Britney Spears clip or, you know, a death metal clip by Behemoth or what, what is your favorite music video of all time? Like, mm-hmm. what are they? What, what catches your eye? And you go, why are they good? And it's like, because they're probably really cool and unique. Yeah, and you won't ever see them ever again, really. Especially like, you know, you think of someone like Britney Spears, like you won't see something that she's done ever again like it's just a unique thing and it's same with a lot of you know i guess bigger bands nowadays like they've like every clip's unique i've never seen like an international artist do the same video as someone else they're like international like they've always been unique when you think of it that way but obviously at a local level it's a bit harder to have that kind of budget to spread out and go yeah we're gonna go crazy but it's just like be surprised yeah be surprised (laughs) I, I I used to have that mentality. I'm like, fuck, how can we, like, push the boundaries? And it's like, there's there's ways. You just got to really sink your teeth in creatively, you know, because mm-hmm. I think people want to take the easy option out. And they're like, yeah, we've got this sick beatdown song and we just want to have a smoke machine and a light above our heads and it'll just be us acting tough for, like, two and a half minutes. And it's like, uh, it's like, fuck <laughs> it. I'm like... It's like, all right, if you want to do that, cool, whatever. But I, I don't think you're going to be pushing any boundaries creatively here. Yeah, it's like nothing that's going to jump out and be like, yeah, look at us, look at what we're doing, look at how cool this looks. It's like it's not going to get anyone's attention yeah. very much for very long, really. It'd almost be like, yep, cooler. Five-minute watch, you're like, yep, cool, I'm done. I don't need to watch that ever again. Yeah, it's like heavy bands can be creative like you look at code orange and their music videos are sick they're just so they're insane and, they're so insane and yeah and it's like yeah they're a tough band and they're 
you know, lit, they're lit and the music video's aesthetic is similar to those warehouse clips, but the the B-roll and the stories and the other bits and pieces they work in is where that, excuse me, that point of difference is. Yeah, I've, like I follow the guy that did, I think the the most recent videos um, for Code Orange and seeing his like behind the scenes of what he's done, it's just, and it's just nuts seeing like all the cuts as well. That whole Swallow the Rabbit Hole video is just insane of just like how many cuts and how they've designed that kind of space to work. And yeah, it's just, it's another video where you just, you you won't see anything like that. I remember watching it the first time and I think there's a bit in the video where it just literally, it sounds like it just like cuts twice randomly. And I thought, oh, it's something wrong with the video. It's like, no, that's a part of the song and that's a part of the video. Like that's what happens. And I was like, oh, that, it just threw me for a loop. And I was like, oh, how can you make that creatively? And he did. And I was like, that really works. That works for the band. Yeah. And, and their whole aesthetic having, um, like they had, the, they had, what they have? They had, um, it was almost like they were in a, like a glass box and they had glass shattering and they had some weird story with someone being like created in a way of like, almost like a humanoid thing. And I was just like, yeah, that's what is this? Got, like, like, stuff. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And it was just like it a was... thing of going, what, how would you sit down and go, yeah, cool. This is the video we want to make. This is how we're going to do it. We're going to be in a glass box. We're going to have this weird story with this weird humanoid trying to create a human or something like that. And it's just like, how do you put that into a visualizing kind of standard of like, yeah, this all makes sense. People will understand this, you know, from the outside in. And yeah, it's almost having that same mentality of just like, all right, cool. Well, if someone comes to you and says, Hey, we want to do a warehouse shoot and we want to do this, like this video, this like basic video. It's like, all right, cool. We can do that, but we can also make that better. Yeah, exactly. And that's where a good, a good producer and a good director will differ from someone who is still learning or just doesn't want to put in the effort because the effort is always going to be in the creativity in regards to music videos. Yeah. Always having that little step in and be like, all right, cool. You don't just, you're not like following the leader kind of thing. If the band goes, yeah, cool. We want to do shit like this. It's like, all right, cool. We will. It's not been like, well, we could do that, but yeah, we can add a little bit more. We can try this kind of look. Um, and I can put these effects and put these filters over and this could look really cool. Like, you know, we don't have to make mm. it so standard. You try and make it stand out as best you can really, I guess, like with the budget that you've got, but um, you can definitely make something, you know, something look, something worth five bucks, worth, like look a million dollars really, if you have the tools and the ability to make it look like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. hundred percent. Well, going from that, um, obviously you've done a bit of, bit of traveling in your time um over the course of the couple of years you know you've been on tour a few times like you've done stuff with in hearts parkway um you've done stuff with polaris you've done stuff with tapestry um you've also just been going to japan norway america like what's kind of the i guess the idea that you want to kind of travel and go to different countries was that kind of a personal thing or was that more of a you know, someone got you to come over and do some things or was that kind of, yeah, just like a personal adventure really? I think it kind of stems from, I grew up in Indonesia for a few years when I was younger. Mm -hmm. So being, I guess, around different cultures was always kind of a thing in the back of my mind and my dad travels a lot for work. So learning about different cultures is cool. Like he's been all over the world and, Mm -hmm. You know, he's told me stories of times when he's been, you know, all around Africa, etc. So I was always been in the back of my mind. And then I guess as I grew up, you know, most most Aussie heavy fans would have seen the first Parkway DVD. Mm-hmm. The first Parkway DVD is just like probably probably the best thing they've ever put out in, in reality because it's just such an inspiring documentary. Mm, absolutely, and it's like. Yeah, we're five dudes traveling around and, oh, we get to go overseas and just live life. And it was just like, that's what I want to do. I want to just live life. So it's like, I'm going to start a band and we're going to play to 10 people in a basement in Sydney or fucking play some random back, <laughs> backwater town in along the coast somewhere just, just to get out of the house and hang out with your mates and just who knows what's going to happen. Oh, there's a sick river down here. Let's Let's go explore it. And like, that's what we did. When I was in a band, we did those fun things. And then and then as an individual, I guess I've, I've been lucky 
to have, yeah, worked with these larger bands who have taken me around the world. And then as an individual, my creative, not creative, I guess my, my itch to see the world, uh, you know, it's like, can, can I travel to the other side of the world by myself and go do like a 30 kilometer hike in the middle of Norway? It's like, yeah, I went and did it and it was, it's super, uh, refreshing on the soul. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it just makes you appreciate life a little bit as well because you, you're pushing yourself and it's like that cliche of reaching the mountaintop. <laughs> and, yeah, really. And in, and, and in some circumstances, it's literally reaching yeah, the mountaintop. Yeah, I was going to say, there was a few mountains I saw in your um, in your Instagram feed and a couple of those ones were like, yep, you probably scaled that. That's at, at one point or another. <laughs> yeah, it's, and it's, yeah, it's just sick. And then doing it with a band... Doing with the band's interesting because like I've I've done it with I've done it around Australia a few times and Australia sucks for touring. I'm sorry. <laughs> Australia Australia is so boring. And it's like if you're traveling with a local band, I think it is almost better than traveling with a big band because a local band, you're stuck in a van for 12 hours and you're hanging out with your mates and you're talking yeah. shit. And it's like, yeah, we're gonna drive from Sydney to Brisbane overnight and Someone's got to be on kangaroo watch out and make sure the driver's not falling asleep and talking shit and talking stories. And yeah, yeah, it's super fun. And then it's, if you're working with a big band, it's like, ah, uh, we finished the gig at 11.30 and I'm editing photos till 2.30 in the morning. Oh, lobby calls at 5.30 to make our seven o'clock flight. And you're like, fuck. Um, <laughs> it's just like that little bit of added pressure, really being with a big band. It's like, all right, cool. I got to learn how to get to, get on like a schedule really and like a routine of like yep cool we finished the show i gotta edit then i gotta go to sleep then i gotta wake up then i gotta keep traveling again yeah the sleep the sleep the sleep option in there i doesn't really exist <laughs> it's just yeah i gotta edit and i've gotta be in the lobby um and then you go and then you sleep on the plane you sleep on the plane you sleep in the dance and it's like yep that's touring in australia for you and then you go overseas and doing it with like in hearts wakes kind of similar to australia but you're doing it around 30 dates instead of five and oh, yeah. you're in this band and it's sick because you're playing halo and you're hanging out with your mates and you're like, Oh, we're playing a show in uh, Liverpool tonight. Or we're playing a show in Manchester tonight. And then it's like, Oh, we're going over to Paris tonight. And it's, it's just fun. Like adventure. It's being like a bunch of Aussies on the other side of the world doing, I guess what people consider their dream. Mm -hmm. And then I've been lucky enough to see it on the bigger side with Parkway and, and it's, you know, when you reach that level with a band like Parkway and some of the venues and locations they play, like they played a festival in the middle of the Swiss Alps and it's like, we're going to get a gondola up and go up into the Swiss Alps before our set tonight and just like go explore. And it's like, this is sick. Like uh, it's, it's just a great time all around. You can't complain. And uh, it's, it's difficult sometimes to focus on your work because you're in this, literally a foreign environment uh overwhelmed with you know new smells and new faces and new sounds and you're like yeah. there, you're there to do a job and sometimes you, you can lose focus if you're not careful yeah just trying to be like trying to almost like take it take it all in but also be like cool i'm here to do a job as well but also it's really yeah. awesome that i'm in this environment that i'm doing this experience you know this is good for me this is good for everyone like having that yeah. moment to, I guess, yeah, taking a moment to breathe and go, yeah, look where I am right now. Like I'm in the Swiss Alps, like this is really cool. And also I get to shoot, do something I love tonight. Super important to take it in and appreciate the moment because you just, it's like, I remember being at Wacken Festival in Germany the first time Parkway played it. And I knew about this festival and it's the biggest metal festival in the world and super prestigious. And it's like, I'm just standing around there going, I'm never going to be back here probably ever again. And it's just like, I'm here with my favorite band and I'm living the dream that I've always wanted. And it's, you know, it's awesome. And it's super important to take in those moments rather than being stuck behind the camera 24 seven. Yeah. Um, and if you're, and like, if you're working with a great client, they don't want you behind the camera 24 seven. It's like, you know, there are key moments where you can put it down and, appreciate where you're at where you're at yeah at least having that moment for them to go yep yeah, cool come have fun come relax like you don't need to do your job right now like you can 
you can take a break. You're not there. It's not like you're actually working like a retail job where it's like, no, you have to keep working nine to five the whole day. It's like, no, you can put the camera down, watch what's happening. Cause I think I used to do that a lot back when I kind of started where I would just, I would just work and I wouldn't, I wouldn't take a moment to like appreciate what I was shooting or like what I was filming. I'd just be like in work mode straight away. And yeah, like recently, like the last kind of tour I did, like it took me a little, um, like I had a moment in, I think it was in Adelaide, I think. Yeah. I think it was Adelaide. And we, um, we like, they flew in from Brisbane. I flew in from Melbourne and we all met up and it was just kind of like a moment of like, cool. Like, I'm in Adelaide again. Like I don't get to do this very often and having time where like, I didn't even pick up the camera until we, until we got to the actual venue and hung out and everything, like got to our hotel and chilled out. And I was just like, I'm not, I'm not pulling out my camera. Like I took some photos, like just before we, um, we left for the venue and I was just like, cool, I'm good. Like I didn't, and they were pretty keen of like, yeah, just hang out. Like we're not going to be doing anything. Like you don't yeah. need to take any photos and it's like, just chill. And so we just chilled for like the whole day until, until we started getting to the show until the other band started playing. It's like, all right, cool. Now I'm in work, man. Now I'm good. And it was just good to kind of have a moment of like, yep, relax. Don't worry about it. like you're shooting these bands. Like you don't have to shoot for 20, 24 minutes, 34 minutes, like the whole time. It's like, you can just shoot for five minutes, take a break. You can probably shoot, you know, 500 photos in five minutes, but it's like, yeah, take a break, take a moment to breathe in where you are and what you're doing. It's like, this is what you love doing. This is where you want to be. And yeah, having that, I guess, the mentality to be like you're at walking, which is yeah, definitely the biggest thing I've ever seen. And especially seeing them on the, the like their latest DVD, it's like that is an insane crowd. And it's just like imagine, you know, staying there on stage and taking a moment to be like, oh, breathe in, watch what's happening and just like just watch yeah. the experience the moment really. Dude, yeah. And the, the the tough thing is I probably didn't appreciate it as much as I possibly could. Yeah, because I think it was like the third or the fourth show into like this thirty-day tour. So mm-hmm. I was like, "It's like, oh yeah, these festivals are kind of big." And then it's like four days in, we're at Wacken, and it's like, "All right, is it going to get bigger than this? Is this the biggest thing?" It's almost like, uh, yeah, you just didn't it didn't sink in enough at the time. And then yeah. hindsight, you're like, okay, that was actually pretty insane. Yeah, at least like at least you know now to be like, "Yep, yeah, cool, I can take a breath every now and then and just relax and." appreciate where I am and what I'm doing but that's like it's really cool that you got to actually go to Wacken and experience that moment and experience like that kind of I guess festival run with Parkway and um get into that kind of area was that kind of uh, was that them coming to you was that you coming to them or was it just like you know you were friends and you just kind of got to know each other and went hey cool let's do some tours that was I mean do you want the whole story of how I wound up working for them <laughs> How long would a long version be? <laughs> uh, I can wrap it up. Um, they played an under-18s festival in Brizzy and I took a photo of their set and they didn't credit me. And then I got in contact with them and <laughs> essentially said, hey, just give me some credit. And then I messaged them like a few months later when they announced the national tour for Ire. I said, hey, you should let me take photos at all your shows because people like my photos of you guys. Um <laughs> And they said, yeah, come along. Um, and I essentially just paid my own way on that whole tour. Mm-hmm. And I guess I enjoyed what I did. Um, you know, I was still learning a lot, but I took a couple of nice photos and still some of my favorites today. And then, yeah, they, they were kind enough and they paid me at the end of that tour, which, you know, wasn't expected. So mm-hmm. just, it was just a testament to how nice they are as humans. And then, um, and then they did that uh that aussie rural tour all aussie adventure tour oh yeah and then i saw them at the gold coast and they're like oh do you want to come to new south wales with us in victoria and hang out uh do photos and then on that tour they said hey do you want to come to europe um <laughs> so it was all it was all like nothing pre-planned it's like hey you just want to do it and i think that's just what who parkway is you know you watch their dvds and it's like hey let's go like their first TV, let's do this or like, let's do that. Or like, let's go to this crazy country because we can type thing. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just who they are. They're just like awesome, awesome dudes who, yeah, took me, took me in and gave me some experiences, which were awesome. And that's sick. Like that they, it's like such an odd thing to happen. It was just like, Hey, can you credit me? 
and then just asking just asking them blatantly like hey you know do you need someone it's like yeah cool awesome that's we'd love to have you kind of thing and it's definitely like an um, an opportunity that doesn't come once in once in a lifetime really it's just like yeah. you know it doesn't happen very often to most people like i've i've had it sometimes where i've just like messaged a member like hey do you need one They're like oh yeah yeah we, we'd love to have you like oh cool didn't expect that to happen that's kind of cool and yeah. you jump on and do stuff for them but yeah at least having that kind of built-on relationship going through and through and through until you was europe the last tour you did with them? yeah yeah europe's last tour i've done a few bits and bobs in australia when they were recording their new album um mm-hmm. reverence uh so i went into the studio with pre-production for that and yeah just filmed bits and bobs around the country yeah. um yeah and then just yeah kind of keep in touch with them they've got a new video guy who absolutely kills it and oh, yeah, lucas yeah, yeah yeah lucas he does it does an amazing job and you know they've had a few people in between but i think lucas is yeah he really main, nails it i think the main dude for now yeah definitely yeah. and he because he did a bunch of the stuff for the newer dvd didn't he for like um the live sets and helped out there as well yeah i haven't actually watched like many of the live sets i think i've seen one but it's because i've seen parkway that many times so i don't really watch the live sets because like, you're just like yeah, yeah i know what they sound like <laughs> yeah i know i know where all the pyro cues are i know where all the lighting cues are i've heard the song <laughs> 50 fucking times in the last month like yeah i've just and it's like yeah it's sick but um yeah i think he helped out a little bit on that and then yeah, alan hardy i think's the main guy he's like a psycho cinematographer he absolutely smashed it oh gotcha well that's pretty cool um well kind of going on from that and probably kind of ending up this kind of podcast what's what's something that you wish you learned earlier that you know now like what's something that was like super integral that you use in day in day out now that you wish you learned when you were starting out Mm. Whether it's camera, whether it's something to do with cameras or whether it's something to do with yourself as a business, as a creator. I think people just uh, need to take more risk. And I think the risk can be applied with, I wish I took more risk in regards to asking harder questions or saying no to things taking the risk and saying no to certain people just mm-hmm. because it, the writing is sometimes on the wall and i give you a perfect example and it still applies to me to even to this day uh i had a client in the last couple of months and they wanted some promo photos and some artwork done and they were just so disorganized with what they wanted and it was just like the writing's on the wall i just know this is going to be an absolute pain to deal with yeah. Um, but the idea was simple enough. I knew I could do the idea. I knew I could execute the promos they wanted. And, um, you know, everything was good. But in the end, it was like they're asking me to chop out certain band members in the photos because there's like this guy left the band. And then like the, the album art I did, they like changed their mind on that. And it's like all these all these things that the writing was on the wall for as like, mm-hmm. I just knew that was going to be difficult. All the red flags. Uh, exactly. It all came true. And just, just having the, taking the risk and saying no to a job, even though the money is like, Hey, this is, this is more than fair enough for my time to do it. Uh, sometimes saying no to a job, you know, and being risky with going, Oh, I don't actually have any other work lined up yep. or, you know, I could use this money saying no taking a risk sometimes just for your own mental health or for your own sake of you know going oh my god that was such a waste of time even if i got paid i still wish i could just give the money back and not have to do that experience yeah no i get you and i've, I've had that a few times with um when bands would come to me and ask me to do something but it's more so i've only had it when i've done a bunch of shoots in a row and it's just like i just i can't i, I need a break i need a second like i have no time or it's just like, I'm too busy or like, I need to have like time to myself. And, you know, it's not something on them. It's something on myself. It's like, yep, yeah, you need to take that time to say no and be like, yeah, look, I really can't. Like, it's just not possible. It's not like a, a gripe against the band or the person you want to work with. It's just like, hey, look, come at me another time. Like, I'm sorry to work with you guys, but it's like, I just need to say no. Yeah, exactly. And that's super important too. Um, I'm currently staring down the barrel of, I think, 10 to 12 music videos in the next month and it's like how the hell am I going to do that that's you know a music video every two days or something and yeah 
it's because of this backlog of COVID. It's like the borders being shut. As soon as the borders are open, it's just like um, probably not going to be in Brisbane for like two to three weeks. So yeah, it's just like everyone's trying to jump back in and get back on the bandwagon of like, yep, cool. Okay. Everything's clearing up. We should just jump on and get everything sorted and get it all done now. So that in case, I guess something happens later down the track and it's like, cool, we close up again. And it's like, okay, cool. We've got stuff ready to go and waiting. It's like not having to wait too long for a, you know, music video to be done. It's like, cool, you've shot it already. You've got it all done. It's like, cool, we can just edit and just have it out later in case something happens. Yeah, exactly. So I think, I think if uh, uh, to summarize all that, I think uh, the most important thing, I'd tell myself I was starting whatever the question was, was yeah, don't just take take some more risk in all aspects. Be afraid to say no. Be afraid to ask hard questions. Don't be afraid of um, taking those risks in all aspects. No, and that's yeah, definitely something I would absolutely agree with. Yeah, definitely taking taking risks in yeah, in the good things and in the bad things of just going no or just saying yes because it's you know opportunity of a lifetime but yeah i guess like taking a step back and thinking is this worth my time is this worth my mental health is this worth money exactly um yeah it's definitely an absolutely valid point to bring up especially yeah for younger people who are just starting out and want to do as much as possible and say yes to everything because that's what i did a lot i would just say yes to absolutely everything that came on board it's like yeah cool i'll do it even if i didn't know how to do it it's like yeah cool i'll do it that's fine i'll learn on the way or if you are just starting out, take a risk and go, hey, pay me, pay me some money. You know, a lot of people go, I'm not worth anything. I'm like, you're, you're worth something. It's yeah. just, you're too afraid to ask. Yeah, exactly. And, that, and that, I used to be like that as well. It's like, yeah, I used to just do shit for three. And then I was just like, all right, cool. I'll start charging. And I was like, oh, shit, will anyone actually pay for me? Am I actually worth this much? And then it's like, no, you know exactly how much you're worth. Once you get the confidence to go, like, yeah, I know exactly what I'm, yeah, what I'm worth in this day and age. Yeah, exactly. It's easy to figure out and you just go, oh, I'm worth at least, I'm worth more minimum wage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. Well, yeah, I guess we'll end up there. Um, thanks you for coming on today, Ben. Really appreciate you taking the time out of your out of your Saturday to um catch up. Also oh, Friday, well, wow. probably forget Friday. what day it is. Um <laughs> yeah, thanks for coming out and you know, talking to me and chatting about all your all your work and you know, how you've been kind of, how your creative process has been. It's been really enlightening to see, especially being a follower of you for quite a few years and seeing all your work and seeing how you kind of operate. It's definitely a a inside look to seeing how you continue to work and continue to evolve as a creator. It's been really inspiring to see. Awesome. I appreciate all the kind words and thanks for having me on. No worries. I guess we'll, um, if need be, we might do another podcast later in later in a few a few weeks or a few months, I guess, when you start getting back into gear and we can um, see what's been going on. Sounds good to me, mate. No worries, mate. Catch you later. Easy. See you, mate.